This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 62. It's remarkable how much long-term advantage people like us have gotten by trying to be consistently not stupid instead of trying to be very intelligent. Charlie Munger. I screwed that one up later in the episode. Wanted to make sure I got it right. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show this week. I'm really glad that you're here. Today's interview was a fun one for me. I interviewed a buddy of mine named Austin Peak. Austin is a commercial real estate lender based in northern Florida, but is also the host of the Millionaire Interviews podcast, which is how he and I originally connected. We're both a shared member of the group Podcasters Paradise that was started by John Lee Dumas of the EO Fire podcast quite a while ago and whose voice you might be familiar with as he recorded the audio bumper that I use in my show pretty frequently. Austin is an interesting cat. He's 32 years old. He was in the commercial lending business through his 20s and ended up starting his own business doing just that in with a company that he started called Riverstone Recap. And for the last year, though, he's been primarily focused on creating and getting his podcast launched and he has got one hell of a show and the thing that really set it aside for me was the amount of preparation and the amount of work he was able to get done on his show prior to launch that was something that I really struggled with when I originally launched my show was getting enough work done pre-launch so that I was comfortable going into a regular production schedule once the show got launched, um, Austin just sort of put me to absolute shame as well as put to shame almost everyone that I know that started a show around the same time as, as me. And it was, it's really an impressive feat. He had darn close to what would amount to almost a year worth of shows pre-recorded before he even launched a website for his show, let alone launched the show itself. And we get into that, what he did to be able to sort of make that a reality, and also about something that he had never really talked much about publicly, which is sort of his epic level of frugality and spendthriftness, and that's something that we he's never really discussed at all in the past and we kind of dig into that a lot because that's very much in line with what the small moves podcast is about as well finding the small little things that can make a big difference over time the things that he does to keep spending under control or things that he fit that fit very nicely within the format of the show so we definitely dig into that a little bit and by the way if you guys hear a smidgen of noise in the background that uh, is somewhat uncharacteristic. I'm sitting outside of one of my client's offices here in beautiful Hunt Valley, Maryland, waiting to go in and do some work in here. They offered to let me record this in one of their conference rooms, but to be blunt, it's 77 degrees with a cool northeastern breeze right now, so I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to be outside. So I apologize if there's any car or wind noise in the background. It, you will not hear it during the interview, so I do apologize for that. But really did enjoy this interview, had a lot of fun with it, got a lot of tactical information out of Austin. He's really a great source of information, so be ready to take some notes. Without further ado, I bring you Austin Peak. Here we go. 
Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey, Austin, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical difficulties that were my fault, but nah. now we're finally ready to rumble. <laughs> no no problem at all, man. So the the audience heard a little bit of background of you and how you and I got to know each other initially uh, just through uh, Podcasters Paradise. But obviously, you sort of know your background a little bit better than I know you. So why don't you just sort of give the audience a little bit of a flyover about your background in real estate and how how'd you get into podcasting or anything else that you care to share with us at this point? Yeah, uh, I'm 32. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, which is a lot of people call South Georgia because we're Northeast Florida. And I own a commercial real estate firm called Riverstone Recap. Uh, we do mortgages on commercial properties. So office buildings, shopping centers, industrial buildings, anything like that. I've been doing that for the last four or five years is when I started my company. And previous to that, I did it with a bigger company uh, for a couple of years. And really, I just got tired of making them a lot of money off my commission and not myself. So I figured, why don't I go ahead and start my own? Sure. So yeah, I've been doing that. And then over the last, I started, we launched our podcast about the same time, um, but probably about six months before that. So I guess end of September, early October is when we, when I launched in 2018, 2017. Mm -hmm. um, but six months leading up to that, I realized I wanted to do podcasting. I've been listening to podcasts for over 10 years and I just got kind of bored on what I was doing. I still own Riverstone Recap. I can, I'm still can work with clients if I choose to or not choose to, but instead of like 90% of my job was going out and trying to find new clients. Mm -hmm. So instead of spending that time trying to find new clients, I've really focused on uh, making a podcast and trying to do that full time. So um, I'm still in the commercial real estate game, but slowly trying to, you know, wind that down and wind up um, doing more of the podcasting game. Gotcha. Which is interesting because the, the, with the subject of your podcast, the types of people that you interview for that show are the people that you'd probably want as connections for a commercial real estate business as well. Not the worst, yeah. not the worst idea in the world to kind of piggyback those two off each other. If you want to, if you want to stick around in the lending world. Yeah. Um, now you, I saw on your bio that you got a master's in, is it, is it a master's in real estate or master's in commercial real estate? They say master's in real estate, but it's all commercial based, no, no residential. Got it. Now, did you do that right out of undergrad or did you work in the real estate world for a little while before going back? So I graduated a 2008 undergrad from the University of Florida, which is about two hours south of Jacksonville, mm. um, basically kind of in the middle of the state. And I did finance and undergrad in uh, real estate. I just did the minor in it because that's all they had. And I just found myself consumed by wanting to learn more about real estate. And actually over the summers there, I would go to the library, uh, not not the actual like library on campus, but actually Books A Million and these other stores that or what's uh, whatever which uh, whatever other ones are closed now whatever bookstores were used to be open when they used to have those but i would just go in there and read for 6 hours a day just all, everything i could on business on real estate cuz i was a college kid i can't afford to buy 30 dollar books all the time so i'd grind through a book in a day or two learn it take notes and then um i guess that's just kind of how i got interested in real estate and so um, after undergrad, I tried to find a commercial real estate job, but it was pretty hard. It was 2008 and took about a year. And it, it, I mean, I think I got a job in six months, but I barely made anything that first year. is basically um, an internship, if you will, and did that for about a year and a half and then went back and got my master's in real estate because 
things were still a little bit slow and it was only a nine month program. So I figured now would be the time to do it. So yeah, it's because they do it full time is condensed versus doing like a two year MBA, which is can kind of, you know, where you're not doing the summers versus we just come in, do full summer. I I forget how many credits there were, but um, it's just like half a half, half fall a half fall B. And then just, they just make them so you can condense it and not, and you get back into, um, actually the real world instead of just school the whole time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cause my, my alma mater, I, I got my undergrad at Johns Hopkins up here in Baltimore and I, w- I went to their business school, the, the Cary business school and the Cary business school also offers a, ma- a master's in real estate. There's not that many schools that do like right, it's, yeah, a, it's it, a pretty rare thing. I mean, Hopkins mm-hmm. is one of the ones that does. Um, so I actually, I actually looked at that program, but it's a two year program. You know, it's part time, but it's a two year program spread out over several campuses and whatnot. My, for, you know, obviously the, the audience knows a little bit more of my background than you do just because I talk about it a lot. But, you know, my, my background is in real estate as well, or it has been, you know, my uh, job as a bank based mortgage guy was my first job out of, associate's degree back in 2002 and then mm-hmm. worked straight through in that business in the mortgage business sort of bouncing around between brokerage and banking and residential a little bit of commercial but not really that much mm-hmm. so never really stepped on your toes yeah and um but i got out of that game in april of 2008 just mm-hmm. just in time, actually, probably a year and a half too late. But okay. <laughs> so I, I had thought about the commercial, the the real estate program, just because it was my background. It wasn't maybe it's a good idea to sort of parlay that experience into a different area of the business. Mm-hmm. But I was burned out from my experience in the real estate world, and especially the lending ed- end of it. So I was just like, eh, now, right. now, yeah, it was just it was a little too restrictive for me. Yeah, so. no, that's, that's understandable. I think that happens to a lot of them. I mean, that personally, that's what kind of happened to me. I mean, I just, yeah, I was just running after deals left and right over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the day, things kind of out of your control. So unless you build up a good client base where, you know, you're the only broker they're using, a lot of the guys that I would try to find um, as clients, usually they might have three or four brokers working for them. So you yeah. might bust your ass. And then at the end of the day, no matter how of a quote you got even if someone got a worse quote and they know the guy mm-hmm. they're probably going to go with them so it's just it's just hustling 24 7 to try to go ahead and get get clients doing it that way sure sure yeah mm-hmm. no that that, that wasn't my, that wasn't the uh the most fun part of my experience right yeah yeah no doubt now in your transition to podcast in your transition to podcasting like do mm-hmm. is is riverstone recap still functioning with a partner like is that sort of it's it's 100 me so i mean uh, when i set it up i mean it's llc in florida and um i mean so really there's no startup cost because it's a service-based industry mm-hmm. um when i when i left my old company i think i had probably about 15k in the bank maybe maybe max i because i had salary of 40k a year um I might have had a little bit more, but not much more. But so I just had enough to live on for, I don't know, six or nine months, but I was still single and you know, I had roommates. So it was not, not so that big of a deal. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, and the, the deal was, I mean, I knew there wasn't going to be much risk because basically I was doing the exact same thing at a bigger company before all I had to do was come up with a new company name mm-hmm. and then find these clients. Like I'd been finding at the old company. Like yeah. I, I did all the work. I usually at a, um, brokerage company usually have some analysts that help you or whatever but because i was the youngest guy i was the last one i never got anyone to help me so if i'm doing my own loan packages and i'm doing um, everything myself 
I kept thinking, I'm okay. I have to give them 60% of my commission and I only get 40%. And so what's the point at the end of the day is like, okay, if I'm literally finding my own clients, they're not giving me any clients. I mean, it just, it makes sense if I do my own thing, it should pay off easily. I mean, obviously I only need like half the clients to um, make as much money. So uh, yeah. So, so really I just started off. It was just a a LLC that costs, I think like 200 bucks to get started. And then you start your website, which you can get domain hosting and everything for, I don't know, 20, 20 bucks a month, yeah. maybe even cheaper, 15 bucks a month after you get WordPress and all that. And then sure, yeah. that's really it. Then you get your Google voice number. I dial it to my cell phone. So it looks like another line. So it yep. looks like an office line. Do the same thing. Yep. And then, and then you have, uh, you set up your email and then, so I'm like, it's basically the same thing, just new entity. So that that's all it took to get started within my own company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that ma- yeah. It makes total sense. Now, right. now the, the transition into podcasting, what, why did you pick? And just, if you, if you don't mind, get, uh, give the audience a little bit of a snapshot about your podcast. Like what's it about? I have a couple questions about it, but I don't, yeah, sure. I don't want to, I don't want them to not know what I know. So what, what's your show about? What's the deal with okay. your show? So the show is called millionaire interviews. And basically all I I interview people and uh, entrepreneurs in any type of industry. So I could do basically product based um, companies, service based companies, uh, tech based and then real estate based. So those are kind of the four that I stick to or try to. I try to slot everyone into one of those. And so whenever I have an interview come out, I try to make sure it's a different one to keep it different. I mean, I could have just done a real estate podcast, right? I mean, just a commercial real estate one and maybe invite clients on and hopefully build up rapport doing that and maybe keep, keep my company going um, and just doing mortgages with them. But to me, I just got kind of tired of talking about commercial real estate all the time. So that's why I wanted to do something that was a little different. I'm like, and all, all the entrepreneurship ones that I had listened to before, I'm like, Okay, this seems like I w- you can learn stuff from any type of company, even if they're not a real estate company. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I listen to interviews or podcast episodes with um, owners who who made their own companies, I'm like, okay, well, I can learn from them. I, for instance, I would have never started my own company if I didn't learn about virtual assistants. And I learned mm-hmm. from that from a podcast. And so that gave me like the momentum and trust to like, okay, why don't I try this and try using a virtual assistant? Because I can't do everything myself or I don't want to. Yeah. And so that that sparked an idea and that so I'm like, okay, if that helped, then I can use that. And so no matter any type of industry, you can learn something from, um, you know, the, the owner or, or get some ideas on marketing or or just cheaper labor, for instance. Mm-hmm. For instance. So basically the podcast, I just cold email a bunch of people who own companies and try to see if they'd be interested in telling their story and do about the same type of interview as you, I guess, as far as length, I do about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And then um, cut it down, edit it down a little bit, but not too much. And then um, go ahead and twice a week I've been releasing it. I wanted to do more at first. Um, we might do more later, but right now I, I've just I found out that doing twice a week has been a little bit easier because then I can focus on more quality yeah. uh, audio editing. And then really it becomes a system and it's still difficult because I still have to use time to market each podcast and uh, each episode. So sure. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been doing, focusing on all, like I said, 90 to 95% of my time has been focused on the podcast. And then if I have deals come in from clients that I've worked with in the past, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can do those in my sleep because I've done it so long, right? So it just I can just underwrite it and then keep doing that. So all my time that was focused on finding new clients is now focused on doing the podcast. Gotcha. Now, for 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 the, top, the topic of the podcast itself, like how did you pick this particular topic? topic as opposed to, I don't know, 
a blog. It's like a blog about is like having home-based aquariums or a fitness podcast or, you know, just yeah. like you, you mentioned, not necessarily commercial real estate, but a, a, just a general more real estate, broad real estate-based podcast is that's where your knowledge base is. Like, right. how did you pick interviewing like such a wide range of characters? Like, why did that end up being the winning idea? Yeah, I think it's just because, well, I did business because I love, I like business. Like, that's, that's one of my things that I just like, I'd always like to read books about business, mm-hmm. although I really don't read as much anymore. Now I do, I listen to podcasts while I'm doing other stuff. I go in, in waves of either like jumping on YouTube and learning stuff or, or reading books or listening to podcasts. But, um, I've, to me, it, it was just more fun to talk to people, a more wider rate of people. And what I found out is like a lot of those people who are wealthy anyways, most of them own some commercial real estate. So they might ask me for some advice and I can give them advice on that. So, I mean, could possibly build a relationship there where maybe I do mortgages for them, but that's not my end goal. Sure. Um, the end goal is really just to keep growing the podcast. And hopefully um, when people listen that they get ideas and that gives them, you know, the balls or whatever to, to go ahead and start their own company. Cause I mean, that's once I heard some people like on these entrepreneurship podcasts, like, I'm like, oh, that guy can start his company. I'm like, you know, he didn't sound like the smartest guy. If he can do it, I can do it. So, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the same thing I'm trying to do is like, okay, maybe not everyone wants to start their own beer company or, you know, their own product company or whatever, but maybe they're like, okay, I'm more interested in a service-based company. So then to me, um, again, it's just having some variety in my life versus just talking about commercial real estate all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm all there. I mean, the, the, yeah. the idea, the idea that I had when I first started this show was to have a, a pretty wide range of guests for the show. The, the original thought was, you know, mul- multiple interviews per week, like two, three, four, maybe five shorter form interviews per week. And then I came to the realization that I don't know that many people to be able to record enough ahead to be able to bank that many shows so i'm like ah okay maybe i need to maybe i need to shorten things up a little bit so i plus then i also kind of i was vacillating a lot about it and then i started to realize i don't really get much out of a 20 minute conversation like when i listen to podcasts that are 15 yeah. to 20 minutes i hated like, them that's what it yeah it's like it's that's one step better than listening to a guy get interviewed on jimmy fallon it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's great you hear him crack a couple jokes you know when the movie's premiering but that's about it. Like, like how he's like, t- tell me about, tell me about the crappy job that you had as a waiter for seven years while you were waiting to get your first gig. Tell me about that. Where were you? Who was, the, who was the biggest asshole of a customer that ever came in? Tell me mm-hmm. that story. You don't hear those. Like you can't hear those stories. There's no time. So, right. I mean, I love, I like, I love the longer form stuff that w- because you can just get so much more information and not mm-hmm. just, not necessarily from a selfish perspective. It's just such a more, more interesting conversation. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't like talking to some somebody for 10 minutes it's boring like i, I don't learn mm-hmm. anything about them agree i think all my interviews i can always tell there's a turning point it's usually a, a little bit past halfway through that yeah. you can start getting more stuff unless like you and i i've at least engaged in some dialogue at least beforehand so sure. i'm probably more comfortable just even starting off but a lot of the people that i do i do a quick pre-interview like 10 or 15 minutes the main thing is to make sure the audio is ready to go and then um also just kind of get a quick background on it to make sure that we're on the same page because and also the last thing is to make sure they show up. If they don't show up to pre-interview, then I'm not just booking an hour and 15 minutes because I sort of, I, I reached a point where I'm just like, 
I remember I think there was like three interviews in a row and three days in a row people just didn't show up or anything. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to keep blocking off this time. No, they're if done, they're not going to yeah. show up to that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the longer form to me makes so much more sense. I mean, if I'm going to put my headphones on and do some yard work or clean up the house or whatever, mm. I don't get time to look at these, listen to the same 20 minute conversations. I ask the same questions over and over, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? So yeah, I know just, exactly what you're uh, talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I I try to go with a flow where I do a similar thing as you just kind of see what they say, have a semi structure on their background and kind of take it chronologically. And then um, maybe, maybe we jump around a little bit. It just depends on what they want to say and what I find interesting and what I think the people who are listening find interesting. So gotcha. Now, mm-hmm. how, what what influence has your wife been on your podcast? <laughs> uh, she listens to all the episodes. So I at least have one listener. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think she's a few, she's like, I think I just released episode 63 and I think she's like on 55 or something. So she needs to catch up. I'm, I'm, um, I'm right there. Yeah. My, my, yeah. my wife's about four, about four to five episodes behind on mine. So yeah, I, I can, I can say things about her. And then by the time, by the time she listens to it, I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> especially because I, I think I told you before I even launched. Yeah, I I literally recorded I think uh, fifty six interviews. Like that's how many. Yeah, uh, well, just because I wanted to make sure that I had so many in the bank that I'm wanted to focus on trying to market or get on podcasts and stuff to not not just say hey yeah come listen to my podcast but more like engaging like we are We're like okay maybe they hear about it maybe we can cross promote or not cross promote but at least just try different things marketing wise and because. Mm-hmm. I, and then editing wise too, cause I, rec- I recorded that many, but then it's a whole another thing to edit. Right. So yes. that takes a uh, uh, so, so that's what I was like, okay, I think I had the first 20 edited before I launched, but other than that, I knew I wanted a system in place mm-hmm. where I could hire other people to do it. Cause I knew it was going to take forever to edit. And I mean, you could really probably spend on one hour episode, probably up to 12 hours editing if 12, you really yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. People realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I had a system in place because I knew I didn't have, I had hired someone off Upwork to do some of them and she did a so-so job and I still had to go back and fix the, some of them. But then after that, I'd, I wanted to hire at least two editors. So that way I would never be crammed into one situation where, okay, this person's gone and I have to wait for them because that's kind of what sure. happened with yeah. other girl. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just knew that if I recorded that many, then I can get away from the interviews for a little bit, do other things, maybe focus on my real estate as well. And then, um, then I, I just felt more comfortable doing that way. So I, I definitely overprepared, but honestly, I got a lot more feedback and a lot more, um, I guess from the guests that I was sending cold emails to mm-hmm. a lot more of them said yes. And I would guess what I was thinking too at first. So I guess it was kind of a surprise. So I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do that. That's, that's also because I didn't even have a website up yet. So for anyone who wants to do their own podcast and stuff, like, I didn't have anything like, I'm just like, Hey, this is the name of my show. Um, are you interested? This is what I want to do. And they're like, yeah, sure. That without anything in the background, which was, I mean, amazing that they were able to do that. And they trusted me enough to do those recordings. And I, I mean that, I guess that's the main thing. I guess I just, I came from a business. Um, I wrote from my business email. So I guess at least they knew I was like real, not just, sure. Hey, you know, here's here's a random guy using his AOL account just asking me to come on his made up. Yeah, like podcast, you're, he's so. like you're not, you're not some Russian bot that's you yeah. know try, trying to trying to record and you know use him for blackmail. Right. 
it was like especially well, especially with with the, with the caliber of guests that you have. I mean, these people that the, the these are people with money. They are potentially subject to blackmail. You know, this like that's this is a problem that I absolutely do not have. You know, this is like this is a problem that I myself do not have. But it's like want to it's like want to blackmail me? Fine. Yeah, like, and there's like nothing there for you to get hot. He's like, darling. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. no, the, so it it is, it's interesting. Now of, of the guests that you interviewed prior to your launch compared to now post launch, mm-hmm. how many interviews ballpark, like how many interviews have you done since launch versus right. the, the, the initial bank that you had? About? Yeah. So I, so I started off with 56, like interviewed it. I think 20 of them were edited right now. I'm up to like 92 interviews recorded. I just released 63 an episode 63. Um, the next like 10 or 15 are already edited. So I try to stay in case I get sick or whatever. Um, sure. and also I guess I recorded that many at first because I thought I was going to do three times a week. So, and then okay. I've dropped it down to two. Then I tried two, three, two, three, but it, to me, I just like, I didn't want to feel like I was wasting episodes at first if mm-hmm. I didn't have enough listeners. So I'm like, I'd rather wait um, to start re- launching with three if possible. So um, like I said, yeah, that's where I'm at. And the main thing is I kept trying different systems to try this recording. Cause I, like I said, I've got two editors that helped me do it. And I have one person listen to it all the way through. And then the second person listens to it all the way through as well. Instead of like, I used to have them do different ones because I'd still find stuff where I was like, uh, it wasn't good enough for me. But the main thing that changed my life is I use Trello. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it or if anyone has. So basically it's like, uh, I had all these columns and I had like the first column was, um, Japoy's column. So he did got rid of all the ums and the ahs. The second column was JV's column and she did the intros and then checked, missed, got anything that she was missing. And then the third column was, um, Ekoi, and, and he basically wrapped it all up, made sure everything was, um, all the audio was based same levels. And, and then the fourth, the fourth column was my show notes person. So I, I finally figured out like, how to make a system to do it because I, I knew this was going to be an issue at first to just stay organized with that many people. Sure. Um, and so now it's been working out, working okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that, that's, that sound just because of how my brain tends to explode with situations like this. Like that sounds nightmarish to me, like, mm-hmm. like right. Sort of ma- managing that, managing that many people on a single, oh, yeah. single small project. Maybe that's just my own small mind. Who knows? But now, yes, sir. Now, how, <laughs> how did you, how did you find, or how, how did you screen the people that you chose to hire to work with on this project? Uh, so this is the non fun part. I mean, I hate hiring people just because it's just like I'll send. I'll, I've gotten good enough at it that I've been doing it for like four or five years for my own company. When I throw something on Upwork. Mm-hmm. I make sure it's well written because half the posts that people up there look like shit. It's just like, just take some time, write something. But then at the bottom, I, gi- I give them three steps on something they have to do. Basically. The first thing is like, you have to say Ola on your first line that you send back to me. That way I know it, it's at the bottom and at least you read it. Read so, it yep. Yeah. So if you don't have that, I don't care who you are. All right. And then, uh, and then after that, um, I think I gave them basically like a 10 minute audio clip. Mm-hmm. And then I just said here, edit it. And then, they would. They were all using different um, software at first, but then I'm like, I made. This is one of the things is like I made them all use Audacity now, which is free and simple, and like that way when we move it, because before we were taking MP3s and mixing them up, and then the quality gets worse after someone just get, does it themselves and sends it to somebody else. So 
I think I finally feel good about our system with audio editing. So that, that uh, makes me sleep well at night. So yeah. Gotcha. But finding, finding the people was through Upwork. Yes. Yeah, so that's how I, how I find all my people. And then they're all in the Philippines. Cause I tried different countries as well. Um, I like the Philippines because their English is on point. I mean, some of them speak better English than I do. So it's just like, okay, y'all are fantastic. We can communicate. Um, and that's mainly it. I make sure that they have a Skype ID as well. Cause I'm always on Skype. So that way we can ping each other if we really need something. But other than that, we, we just follow the Trello board. Basically it's just like you have these little postcards or it would look like a sticky notes and you move them column to column. So whenever I get done with the interview, it might be interview like 85 would be with you for instance. And it might say your name and number 85. And after he gets done, it gets moved to the next column. So now we can see, and a pipeline, if someone's getting stacked up and someone has like five interviews in their car, it's like, where have you been? What are you doing? You know, so it kind of makes sure everyone is doing something versus like, oh, I don't know where this file is or whatever. So and I use Google Drive um, with all of them to and they just all put in those folders. So. Got it. Now, now for Trello, is that is that a is that like Slack? Is that are, are Slack and Trello the same thing in competitors or do they do different things? I've heard uh, a lot about Slack, but I don't really know much about I know it exists, but I don't know yeah. much about Trello. I, I don't mess I don't mess with Slack. Um I so Trello is like imagine an Excel um document right where you have column a column b column c that's all it is but it's online and it's free and so you just go in there and then instead of a cell basically you have a postcard but you can pretend it's a cell and pretend you can copy and paste that cell to the next column column b after you get done with it and delete it from column a then that's all it is it's just like these note cards and then so that way like i said it's very visual very simple because i've tried a lot of these um project management stuff. And I don't need something complex. I want something simple. Yeah. Like, sure. so, um, so th- th- it's very simple and that, that's the way we use it. Cause I've seen it. I just kept YouTube and like, or asking people who have podcasts, how they stay organized too. Um, and one of the guys that I talked to, he's like, I use Trello. I tried Trello a couple of years beforehand. I didn't like it then, but every couple of years, I mean, I come back to around trying to use a certain software. If I'm like, I'll give it another try. And maybe it just wasn't the right fit before. And, it's true. When I was working my commercial real estate deals, it, it's like too much to move all those things. But for one interview to make one little sticky note and being able to move it, it's very simple. And we can see where it is in the process. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, cur- curious about your tra- transitioning from your real estate business to the podcast. Obviously, the podcast is something that you can do sort of from wherever you happen to have a decent a decent silent room and internet connection. Was, was that at all part of the driving force to shift to, shift to doing podcasting at all so that you guys could maybe pick up and leave there? I say that because that was, that was a big part of our goal. Like for me and my wife and our kids, like we want to get out, we want to hit the road, you know, for people that are listening to this, they know this already, but the, it, we just bought our 40 foot fifth wheel RV that mm-hmm. we're moving into full time. And yeah. we're planning on staying local for about the next year or so, then hopefully hitting the road after okay, that. Cool. So like, it, was that something like obviously running a brick and mortar business in Jacksonville, Florida, in our, or in my case near Baltimore, you know, that's mm-hmm. not exactly something that's easy to do when you're in an RV in the middle of Yellowstone national park somewhere. But you know, if you've got a podcast, that's obviously something that you can do as long as you've got a decent connection. Like, yeah. was that, was that part of your motivation at all? Or, or no? uh, not, not really, you know, actually one of the things was, I'll say what I was lucky. Cause what I did with real estate, 
I could do work on deals all across the country. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter. I So if you're a regular real estate broker, usually you have to pick a market. Yeah. With commercial real estate lending, mm-hmm. you don't have to because these lenders can lend anywhere nationwide. And so I licensed, could, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would just like, I could look at deals in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'd be in Jacksonville, Florida, and the lender would be in New York. And the guy who owns the property in Memphis, Tennessee, lived in California. So those like, Got it. I'm, I'm, I'm walking. Yeah, so that, that was awesome. And I never thought about it like, Hey, I could really, I mean, I did think about it eventually. I'm like, I could move to the Philippines and still do this. I just do it in the middle of night. No one would know if the connection is good and ready to go. Cause all my stuff was done through the internet, which was fantastic and not having to be locked into it. Cause I don't think a lot of like maybe real estate brokers might think about that after they finally build their book of business. And you're like, man, what happens if I want to move or I want to take off, you know, you can't really do it. So it, it definitely helped. But I think the main thing is I kind of struggled on what I wanted to do next. Um, Cause honestly, I still want to do commercial real estate eventually. Like I, I just, I just got burned out from it. Like I just, I need to do something different, but actually what I started doing was taking, um, some of those tests online to find your personality. Mm-hmm. And so that helped a lot too. Cause they're like, okay, these are your top five things you're good at. It's like, um, competitiveness. It was, uh, here, actually here, uh, I'll grab it real quick. That way I can walk it through. Cause I really think that there's one of my guests that I had on initially, it's so like, take one of these tests, like, and I'm like, dude, I took one like 15 years ago. I might as well. Cause I'm like, if to see if I'm like cut out for keep doing this. And then it gave me like, made me feel confident that I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do podcasting. Cause I didn't want to do a blog. I got, t- I tried doing that before. I'm like, I don't like writing really. It's just like talking to someone so much easier. So, so I, f- I forgive, I'm going to maybe can put it in the show notes and I can tell you exactly where I did this. I think it costs 20 bucks to do it, but, um, this is supposed to be the best one here. Wait, and, wait, what was the, what was the test? Uh, basically, find your personality. It's one of the personality tests. Oh, no, but no, it was, wait, wait, which test? I'm just kind of get, just getting the details of it. Like, is it DISC? Is it Myers Briggs or what is? I it? think it's Myers Briggs. I mean, it was one of these that uh, I think I I know of when I see it. And Myers Briggs is the one that assigns you with like your four letter acronym where you're like, yeah. hi, I'm an FBTJ. Whatever it is. Yeah. It definitely wasn't one of the, one of those. I had heard it actually from like one of the podcasts that I listened to. They're like, I try this one out. If I can look it up exactly what, what I am, but, or where you got, where I got it from. Mm. Is that all right? Um, yeah, sure. Show notes. Then, then basically everyone can find out exactly. But yeah, it says good. my top, my top five were like achiever, uh, competition, focus, uh, woo and communication. So it's like, okay, once I saw that, yeah, woo said, I've never heard of that before. I was going to say, what the hell is that? <laughs> woo stands for winning others over is what they call it. They, they said, you enjoy the challenge of meeting new people and getting them to like you and not necessarily just like, Oh, I need you to like me. But I just, I find, I'm sure you're similar. You just, I like to find out about people and their story sure, because it's, yeah. it's, you can learn stuff, you yeah. know? And, and I mean, it's, I'm genuinely interested. I'm not like, Oh, um, bullshit and faking like oh i'm really interested you know tell me more no i i mean i've called people out before when i don't think they're telling the truth or yeah, whatever like, like i've got no problem with that so like, meanwhile you're on the line going like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay well you know i read something very interesting about you in the newspaper that i'm like yeah that sound that sounds awesome you sound like you absolutely love your job Exactly. See, so that's why I think we probably have a similar style. I'm sure we have a similar personality in that end. It's just like, okay, I'm, I like to be somewhat like focused and everything, but you know, I'm, I want to go with what it feels right in the conversation. I'm, I don't need to have a same 10 or 15 minute conversation. Like, oh, have you looked at how much gas costs these days or what's the weather like? 
you know, okay, I don't need to hear about those things, especially since I work from home. I don't know how much gas is. So yeah, and not, and not to, not to men, not to mention, and then uh, uh, it's like in the audience, you can probably appreciate this. People don't want to hear that crap. It's just that they they can if they're if they're going to be at work wasting like if they're going to be wasting time at work listening to our podcast. I might as well give them a conversation that's more interesting than the person that they'd be talking to next in the cubicle next to them. You know, it's like, you got to at least try and try and make it interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So, yeah, so I, so I took this before, like I said, I I think I just started the podcast, but they had mentioned to do it. And I'm like, okay. So I felt more confident about after like one of my first recordings, I'm like, okay, I'm headed down the right way. I feel good about it. And, uh, if these are my top like five things, then I should be able to, to do this. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend if you haven't taken one, it, wherever, whatever type of personality test it is, it says go do one because it just reemphasizes what you're good at and what you're not good at. Cause I don't think that I never do really any self-reflection. So this is like what, you know, so it's like, okay, this gives me an idea of like, okay, what I feel good about, why I'm not good at certain things and why I'm good at certain things. So, um, no matter what are the personality tests, I, I get, recommend taking one if you haven't in a long time. No, I, I definitely agree. And what I, what I find interesting about it is it ties back a lot to what you, what you said before in that what both you and I like a variety in our guests because we like a variety of the information that we get. Cause we realize, you know, the, if you just, if you realize, if you just talk about commercial real estate all the time, you know, the conversations tend to get pretty dry pretty quickly because you're talking about the same stuff over and over. And you also yep. realize that there's people in other businesses that can teach you something about your own business that you might not know. Exactly. That, that ties back a lot to, to, I had a similar epiphany myself back when I was in the mortgage world way back when I was at a conference. I can't even remember where I think I might've been in Dallas and there was a guy who was a top performer at the company that I was working with at the time and his business. And keep in mind, this was in the residential mortgage world. Mm. His largest source of business was a state farm insurance agent in his market. And this was a guy that was generating massive, massive business for this mortgage guy, but also had just an absolute killer practice. And they weren't necessarily based in Dallas. That's just where the conference was. But the other guy, the other guy, the insur- the insurance guy was at the conference as well. So I just kind of yanked him aside and picked his brain. It's like, hey, when you were lo- just for somewhat selfish reasons, it's like, hey, you know, when like you're obviously funneling a massive amount of work towards this mortgage guy, why, how, what did he do? Like, what, what can I do to shape myself as a, as a lender to be attractive to agents like yourself? So he was, he gave, went through a lot of things. And one of the things he said was you have to show that you have knowledge outside of your industry. He was mm-hmm. part of a coaching program. Both of them were part of a coaching program called what I'm trying to remember the name of it. Now I'm pretty sure it's called, uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, strategic coach. Mm-hmm. His program is called strategic coach. And the concept behind that program is you get matched you based on your tax return documented income level broken down. And I think they've got like four or five different categories based on your income level. You get matched up into a coaching group. That mm-hmm. coaching group meets face to face four times a year. At, at different areas of the country. It's not a once a week coaching call. It's not a once a month, you know, Facebook live group. It's a four times a year. You get on a plane, your group goes here and spends a four day weekend together four times mm-hmm. a year. And 
there's no criteria to get into the group outside of income level. So you've got mortgage brokers, you've got florists, you've got grocers, you've got butchers, you know, you've got tech guys that do nothing but app development. And you just spend four days together planning out. It's like, okay, these are the difficulties that I'm having. These are the struggles that I'm having. Like, how can we all sort of solve that? And it's interesting because we get so siloed in our own industry, like where you're you're a mortgage guy or you're a commercial real estate guy. It's like, I'm having this this one goddamn problem. Like, whatever it is, like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, whatever it is, it's like, I've been struggling for a solution for this for five years. I can't figure it out. Meanwhile, you know. The florist over in the corner just kind of meekly raises her hand. She's like, oh, I just use this for that. Yeah. And it's like some subscription service that costs $7 a month, you know, mm-hmm. and it, and it's all, and it solves, you know, a 20 hour a week bottleneck in your business. I'm like, what the hell? But you don't know. It's like, you don't know unless you talk to people that are outside of your niche. It's like, mm-hmm. the, it's like there's the, in the 21st century, there are solutions for damn close to everything out there. You just need to ask the right people where they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like in the in the information age, we're not as good at sharing information as we like to pretend we are. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Especially in the commercial real estate industry, I mean, it's basically there's the information so siloed that it's like hard to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you asked, so it's called the Gallup's Strength Finders test. I think they said it was ten dollars for the, like the thirty four personality, and then maybe twenty dollars for the upgrade, which I got or whatever. So if anyone's looking at uh, I actually did the Gallup's um, Strength Finders test, and that, that's what I would recommend for everybody. Gallup's Strength Finder test. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Now, it, what what else? If you don't mind me digging into that, like what else? What else did that test sort of dig yeah. into? Like it it showed you a sort of top five thing, dude. But what else? And it's cra- it's crazy because it it was spot on. Like so, it gives you basically a I don't know. There's probably ten sentences on your top five, but and. After that, they'll give you um, basically ideas of like guys who fit this personality, and they had me down to a T. It was kind of it's kind of crazy, like how well it was like they knew me because like number one's achiever, and I've always been that way because I mean I started in my own business is like when I was in the sales role at a bigger company, I always wanted to just I don't know just I've never been like much of a slacker. I just I enjoyed it, so it was fun for me, and so I wanted to achieve. So. Um, it's that was number one number two was competition which which i agree is kind of like in sales you're trying to compete against the guy against you it's not necessarily like negative about it but um you, you want to win the, the third one was focused so that's those top three kind of almost go together if sure. you will like achiever competition focus like and i do ask myself like where i'm headed i don't honestly i don't have like these one year five year ten year goals i just i but i do have an idea of what i want to do and that's why i like plan for it when i did like that many interviews before i started um, the fourth one was that woo that I was talking about. It's like you like stranger. It says uh, strangers are rarely intimidating, and I agree with that. And the last one, my number five is communication. So you like to explain or to host or to speak in public, which I don't really don't speak in public. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I have no problem talking to people or strangers because to me, I remember I still remember this one email um, I sent out when I started my own company. Is I basically send these cold email out to find these clients. Mm-hmm. And one guy's like, I don't deal with strangers. And I wrote back, I'm like, well, was your wife a stranger? Was your best friend a stranger? Like, everyone is a stranger until you meet them. Like, sure. literally, like, every person is a stranger. So that never made sense to me because I'd send smartest responses as a joke sometimes just because, I mean, you got to have fun, too. Because sure. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm not just going to be like, oh, okay, you know, cry about it, whatever. It's always like a numbers game as far as, like, 
when you're doing sales, I'm like, okay, I'm just on to the next guy, whatever he wants to have. This guy might say, you know, don't email me again. Okay. You didn't hurt my feelings because it's happened before. So whatever. Sure, <laughs> on sure. to the next one. Yeah. Now, out of goofy curiosity, did that guy respond back to that message? Uh, I don't think so. Cause I remember looking, looking back, uh, he, cause I think I had a valid point, right? <laughs> At least sure, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, uh, he, yeah. he's not going to respond. He's like, uh, I assume that he's like, you know, a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, damn. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's before people used to say drop the mic. So yeah. that's what I did. <laughs> Which my mic dropped before our call. So that's why I'm using another one. So sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it, it is. It's funny. And, and the, the, it's like, you, you could almost, you could almost make, make the joke. It's like, well, I, it's like, well, you know, ne- you like, you never marry your wife before meeting her, but you're like, wait a second. Oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> we're, we're broadcasting a podcast, which is an international thing. And <laughs> yes, there are plenty of people around the world that marry people before they've met them. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, agreed. <laughs> so it's like, you know, let, let's, 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 let's stick with the friends angle. Maybe not the marriage point, because that might bring up, we might get letters that right. we don't, uh, Feel like Agreed. so yeah yeah it's your choice to be friends with somebody i don't think they can force you so yeah we'll just say friends yeah <laughs> now that that comp- that competitive side of you is that is that something that you kind of remember always sort of being there or was that developed because somebody kind of basically you know strong-armed you into playing sports when you were young or yeah like, I mean, what, I, what yeah i always from? played sports i always did play sports and i, I played a couple in high school um I mean, I always wanted to be the best. Just to me, it's just silly not to try to be the best that you can, you know. So it was the, it was never like, oh, I had to, um, I don't know, like I had to be the number one guy or whatever. It's just I, I always wanted to push myself to the end, as long as I liked what I was doing. So, um, I mean, I played soccer a lot growing up. I didn't really do. I played, I played every sport, but really, but um, I focused on certain ones that I liked because that's what I enjoyed, and then I just tried to be the best I could at them. So, um, same with businesses. I, I, I was pretty crazy when I started um, my first my first sales role outside of my master's. Um, the group was called Capital Advisors, and I would literally wake up at 4:30 a.m. Um, without an alarm clock because I was that stoked to get to work to outbeat everybody and get all my work done. So, like, I'd be in the office by like 5:15 a.m. And by the time everyone got in at nine, I had done, I know more than they would do in probably two or three days. Like, cause it, you just, it was quiet. There's no emails coming in. And I had a plan, like I had a strategy on me finding these clients and what I wanted to do. So, I mean, it was just that, I guess you can say it was competitiveness, but it's to me, like I wanted to make as much money as I could not to feel like, Oh, I'm a baller. Cause I've always been like frugal and like smart about my money. Mm-hmm. It's because I know money brings freedom. So you can do what you want. Like for instance, when, if, if you want to go get your RV and travel wherever, like you can't do that without money. So it's like, sure. you need some, you need some money. And I knew that would be like a vehicle to have freedom to do whatever I wanted. That gave me the opportunity to start this podcast and, I don't have to ask anyone to get off work or do whatever I wanted. So that was the main thing is like, okay, I want to make money not to be like, Oh, you know, I'm the man. Like I, I, it's really just for freedom and be able to enjoy my life. So now you, you mentioned, you mentioned about, you know, the job you've always been relatively frugal. Like where does, where does that, I was going to say, where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. But my, both my parents are lawyers though. So they made good money, but it was like, uh, they're always smart about their money though, too. They never felt the the need to go buy the nicest house or buy the brand new car or anything like that. It just it always made sense to me. So it's like when I saw how fruit, my mom, my mom is super frugal. So I'm not I'm not to her level, 
she reuses paper towels i tell people so like that, that's how cool she is uh but yeah so i mean we'd go to dollar store or whatever i mean even though like i said i mean they're both lawyers and they're both fine and well off so i was lucky to have the life i had so um yeah i just got it from them i'm like i don't need to me i'm this is my personal choice i don't i'm never gonna buy a new car because i don't want to buy a new car because i'm ha- i'm perfectly happy with the car i have and actually if i went to go buy a brand new car right now i've got a 2004 2001 4Runner. If I went to go buy a brand new 4Runner or a new car, that's just going to add more stress to me because if if it happens, someone dings it or whatever. I'm like, I don't want that stress. So I'm so smart about, hey, I know what's going to cause me stress. That's going to cause me more stress. I like the vehicle I have. And as long as you're happy, I mean, that's all that matters. I mean, that again, that's why I wanted money to, I know money is not 100% correlation to happiness, but the freedom and ability to do things does equal to happiness. So, um, yeah, yeah, so I, I've always had that. Yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a that's always something that that always gets me when when people say it's like, well, money doesn't buy happiness. I'm like, yeah. Yes, you're right. Yes, true. Like the the green stuff in your hand isn't what buy isn't what makes you happy. No, like that that's you know that's not the thing. It's what that money can allow you to do is what is then what makes you happy. I'm not talking like you said. Not talking about being crazy and lavish and you know do, doing all the crazy stuff. It's the alleviation of having to think about things. Because yeah. really, because really, at the at the end of the day, all stress com- like all stress is is anxiety about what they say is like like anxi- like stress is anxiety about the future, depression is anxiety about the past, right? And all like if you're you're stressed, if all you're doing is think about it, it's like okay, I've got it's like I've got the that payment on that brand new Forerunner, beautiful. Yeah. Tr- it's like beautiful truck. It's forty five thousand dollars with a payment of $700 a month. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, it's only 700 bucks a month. I'm doing well enough with my business, but oh crap, what if I don't? And then you've got the apartment, you've got the condo in the city that's got the $800 condo fee that goes with it. And you're spending an extra $300 for each of the two parking spaces in the basement. It's like, okay, I'm doing okay with my business. Oh, well, crap. What if, what, you know, what if this deal doesn't close or what if that deal doesn't close or what if, you know, it's like, what if, what if, what if like it, it's, it's all, it's all about like alleviation of stress is, is the alleviation of the things that you have to concern yourself with regarding your future. It's yeah. like, and money does, and sorry, money does solve that problem. It's like, if you're not dumb, money solves that problem. Yeah. You know, it definitely does. And so, I mean, it's not like I was a baller, but I mean, just so people know, I mean, I was making between 100 and 200 K. That doesn't mean like, oh, I'm elitist, but I'm a single dude in my 20s, you know, mid to upper 20s doing that. And I would save everything because I see where value is. I didn't go buy, for instance, I got a boat, but guess what? I got a $7,000 boat when actually that boat, if you got it brand new, is like $85,000. Mm-hmm. So I saw, I see where value is. I mean, it was on Craigslist for one hour. I knew what I wanted. I had a ding, boom, got it. Yeah. So it was like, so I've, I've just always been smart about like, I guess one of the things that helped as well, other than my mom teaching me frugality, is that when I came out of um, graduate school is I was... Um, all, a lot of the guys were getting out of the real estate business because a lot of them had bought the nice cars or the nice house. And then they thought they were going to make another 200, 300 K that year. And they didn't. And, and they had nothing. Yeah. And then they had to sell everything. So you saw that. Like I literally saw the guys that I was going into office to fill their offices. Like I was the new young guy because it didn't matter. I didn't have any overhead, but yeah. they have families and stuff. So they had to go get corporate jobs and like 
downgrade. So I guess I saw part of that as well. So no matter how much money I have or much money I don't have, I'm always going to see value in certain things versus like, like you said, I don't, I don't always need a new shiny object. I don't have that syndrome. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Like I, luckily I'm not blessed that, or I'm blessed to not have that, but I think most people are unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, that, that's always been me. I'm like, I want to have as much money in the bank to do whatever I want to do. And like I said, that's given me the opportunity to not focus on making money right now with the commercial real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then focus on the podcast. Cause uh, hopefully that makes me money in the long term. And, I said, I'm, I'm happier now. Like I'm rejuvenated doing this, like talking to people like you, cause it's something different. Like yeah. what at the last year and a half, honestly, with, with Riverstone recap is when I kept like doing the same thing over and over, I wasn't growing anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like the same sales thing. And so I was just like, I was ended up sort of working like 20 hours a week when I used to work like 60 or 70, but to me it was never work cause it was fun. Like I was doing it, but then it became less fun. And then you make, you make less money because you're just like, eh, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to underwrite that deal cause he's not going to do it with me anyway. So, um, now I'm working a shit ton again, but I like it. So whatever. So yeah. if I'm enjoying myself and then I'm going to do it. So that's what, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. It, br- it brings, it br- your, your story, your story about that r- reminds me about, when I got my first, when I got my first job in the mortgage business, the office that I was working in had two. There were two guys that were working in that office that had known each other their whole lives. It was very much a good old boys club, you know, which, which the mortgage business very much is at, mm-hmm. at the upper levels. But you've got two guys, both of whom come from incredibly wealthy families. So both of whom have trust funds and all those things that go along with that. But there was one guy who was the actual manager of the office. And then the other guy just worked there as just one of the other loan officers. The guy who was the manager of the office maintained a lifestyle where he had to make Mm -hmm. probably $500,000 a year just to cover his annual expenses for him and his kids. Mm-hmm. Like if he, like if he makes, I mean, just think about that for a second. If you're yeah. working and you make $400,000 a year, you're in the red by mm-hmm. a lot. It's like, imagine, like imagine living a life where you're in the red. If you're only making $400,000 a year, whereas the other guy, he built a like he, his income level was roughly the same. But his lifestyle was probably somewhere in the neighborhood, and he told me this. He's like probably somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars a year. He was like, "That's all I have to make to cover the things that I have." He lives in a cheap house in a nice neighborhood. Like he hmm. li- he lives in a tiny hole-in-the-wall house in an alley street in a in a nice neighborhood. He does like he dresses relatively well, but not at all overstated. He's not mm. married. He, he's not married. He doesn't have kids. That helps anyway. Mm. But but he but then he also drives a very a very nice twelve year old BMW M3 that was in perfect condition. Like looks mm. like right right off the showroom floor, perfect condition. And he had a hundred and twenty thousand dollar stereo system in his living room. But mm. that's all this man spent his money on. He's like, he's like, I keep, he's like, I keep my car up because I love my car and I love my music and all the music that he listened to. He listened to, vi- listened to on vinyl. He didn't even have a CD. He didn't even own a CD player, right. but he was like, 
that's where that's where I get I get my enjoyment from driving like a like a bat out of hell in the back mm-hmm. roads near my house, and I love listening to good music. He's like, I love he's like, I love getting high and love listening to great music. He's yeah. like, that's where I get my joy from. I don't care about the other stuff. So he's like, like I spend my money on that, and the rest of the rest of the money just goes into the bank to pay for this, you know, to pay for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was amazing. When and you like it, you can you can see it coming through people's pores. Like when when someone is so in need of income, regardless of how wealthy they are. I mean, right. the, like the the manager of the office, he was probably making three quarters of a million dollars a year, so he was doing fine. But you could just see the stress level. Like you could see you can see that in people. Whereas the other guy, he walked into the office, he looked like he was high every goddamn day. Like he just cool, relaxed. He's like, hey, Jason, how's it going? Then he just kind of moses his way over to his office and, you know, checks his voicemail and starts making his phone calls. And he would talk to his people like this all day long and you would hear him interacting with clients. And he was talking exactly like I'm talking now. And this is exactly how he spoke. He spoke the entire day. And it was, it was amazing. It was incredible, the contrast. And Mm -hmm. these are, these are people with similar families, grew up together, knew each other forever, you know, like same circles, same friends, same everything. It's just one guy had one guy had that level that requirement for income, and the other one didn't. It was just goddamn amazing that stark contrast. Yeah, you no, know. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you. you. You mentioned about you know, obviously, with you being relatively frugal. What for people that are listening? What are do you have like specific? Is that so ingrained in you that you just kind of don't know what the hell you do to save money? Or do you have sort of filters or systems or things uh, that you just mental pro- – even if it's just a mental process for considering purchases? Like what do you, what are your things that keep you frugal? Like what, what what's, your uh, yeah, fil- this, what's your filter? Yeah, this is easy. I mean like I said, no matter how much money I end up making, I, I will always be – like, for instance, when I look at a menu and I go – certain restaurants I'm not going to go to. I'm sorry because it t- – <laughs> I don't get enjoyment. So it's like what your guy said. Like some people get enjoyment about eating really fancy food. Me, like honestly, 30 bucks or 20 bucks for a meal. Like, I mean, for dinner for two, if it goes over like 60 bucks for a date night, like for us. And I mean, I'm getting alcoholic beverages as well. Hopefully two or three. (laughs) She might have one. Um, If it gets over 60 bucks, I'm like, oh, that was kind of expensive. You know, it's like to me, like I, I, so I don't get enjoyment out of like, I could get the same enjoyment out of a, four dollar five dollar meal as i would a five hundred dollar meal like honestly so yeah, to okay. me i when i look at a menu i look at prices i'm like ah, nope no 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 okay that's what i do just because again that's i don't want to spend my money there the only thing i do spend i mean almost every even on amazon i go to amazon warehouse i don't know if you know about it. you can google amazon warehouse no. and you go to that side and then okay then click on the top link and then you can, then you see all the used stuff, like the stuff that got sent back. So you get five or ten dollars off that. I mean, so no matter what it is, um, I'll just look in there if it's a certain th- item that I wanted. For instance, I just bought some um, RAM for my computer. I'm like, oh, let me just do the. I'll go ahead and look at Amazon Warehouse, and they had it right there. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy that. It's ten dollars cheaper. Someone just sent it back versus. So instead of paying sixty five bucks, I'm paying like I think it might even be fifteen bucks off. So I paid fifty bucks. So um, wow. to me, I just I just always want to get the best deal. I mean, it's and to me, it's never I never like negotiate go to garage sales and like negotiate with people or anything like that. I'm I, to me, I like I just know 
what's expensive to me and what's not. So I even like even when I go, I go in phase of buying new shoes or whatever, like tennis shoes, and I'm mm. like to me, uh, max I'm gonna go is like sixty to seventy bucks. I'm not and it's, some of the shoes that I wear, literally like same types of guys will pay like two hundred bucks for them. So it just sure. no matter where it is, I just always see the value. I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna pay that much. I mean, I. If it's fancy, I don't like it. So luckily, it's just I've always been that way. I mean, alcohol, whatever. I'm just like I don't need top. Give me bottom shelf because it's gonna do the same thing. So no matter what, um, I always just try to buy used because I'm I know like physical goods, especially like in the long run they don't buy happiness. And to me, I I rather get like you asked me about my aquarium in the back. I got that off Craigslist for twenty bucks, and how many people pay like two hundred bucks for Hundreds it? Hundreds of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. and I literally got it for twenty bucks with all the stuff in it. So it was just like, oh my like <laughs> I, I, I'll just go. To, I mean, if I and that's when I got my boat. I put a. I, I guess I get just smart about those things. Like they have Craigslist where they have a. Um, uh, one of these services can ding you or email you if you have uh, if you put a certain filter criteria. So I did like all of Florida, mm-hmm. and luckily this one, like I said, it was on. I know if you want something good on Craigslist, I buy something like once every couple of years off of it. But um, you, it, it hit me up with an email, and then I went over and bought the boat right there. I mean, I put a deposit down, then had a guy test it out the next day because I never had a boat before. But sure. it was like, um, okay, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna get the seven thousand dollar boat versus literally, like I think it was two thousand one, um, and one uh, that same year, that same model. If you if I got it, and I think it was like two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen when I got it, uh, would have been eighty to hundred k. Yeah. Like literally, and, and a lot of those boats, when they get them, once they drop in the water, it's dropping 20 K anyway. So okay. I just, I, so I always like think about that. I'm like, to me, it just doesn't make sense because also like money buys you happiness, but it's like, you have to put it to an extent, obviously, because it buys you the freedom. But I don't understand. Like when you're talking about the guys earlier who spend that much money, um, I was making 750 K like they have to spend their life. Like we only have so much time. Right. And like mm-hmm. your, your life your time to earn this money, then why don't you like, I I see like, okay, I value my time as well. So that's the reason I'm like, I guess personally, I'm like, okay, I think about it. I'm like, luckily I don't get paid per hour, but I think about how hard I worked. I'm like, no, I don't have to give somebody a hundred dollars for something. You know, I'm like, that's my choice or not. I mean, I got, I got to work on that. That's your choice. If you're listening, like you don't have to pay for all, like I've never been like, Oh, I have to do something because there's some, because society or somebody tells me so. Um, yeah, you got me on a frugality rant, I guess, kind of, but I've never like really talked about it too much. I guess I, I just always been, been that way, I guess. And I'm, I'm lucky and blessed that way. So, well, hell, I mean, the, just get, get back to the topic of your own podcast for a second and get, get you on a frugality rant. But we, it was Warren Buffett that said, nobody got rich paying 18%, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not the, the, and I rem- I don't, rem- I'm going to totally butcher this. And so I do, I do apologize for anybody that knows the wording correctly, but speaking of Warren Buffett, his investing partner, Charlie Munger, who's sort of the unsung is sort of the unsung hero of the organization. He's Warren Buffett's investment partner and has been for Christ half a century. And he said, he said he, that they, and again, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing and I'm butchering it, but he said something along the lines of it's a lot easier. It's a lot harder to try and be smart in the market than it is to just not be stupid. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, and it was something along those lines. Like we, what we try to do is we try to be consistently not stupid every day. Right. It's like, so don't, it's like the, and for the people that you're interviewing for your show, like that, like the, that frugality gene, I'm sure is something that can kind of carry through in a lot of people that are in that category. Cause there, there's a misconception with entrepreneurs and, you know, high flying entrepreneurs and millionaires and whatever it might be is that, you know, these are people that just throw caution to the wind and they just have, they've got the bravery that I'll just never have. And da, 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 da. These people are level 10 black belt, you know, level 10 black belt at risk mitigation. Like these Mm -hmm. are people that prevent themselves from losing their ass. If they make a bad decision, it's like, sure. Are there exceptions to the rule? Of course, for people that, you know, for people that do legitimately throw caution to the wind and are just happened, just happened to be lucky. Yeah, they are. There are those people that are out there, but people that make it, seriously big are people that are just amazing at risk mitigation. They can't, they make it so that they can't lose or at the very least can't lose much. So to where it's unrecoverable. So, I mean, frugality fits right into that. I mean, you don't have, absolutely. It's like, you don't have to be, you don't have to be like my buddy, Steve, who I was just talking about in, in the office when I was coming up that, you know, built an entire life of, you know, he makes $800,000 a year living on $30,000 a year. Do you have to be to that level of extreme? Probably, maybe not do just whatever Mm. your preference is, but you don't have to go nuts. It's like mm. you, the, you don't have to fall into the natural consumer mindset of this country. And unfortunately, the lion's share of the damn planet right now, which is, it's like last year I made $100,000. Okay, cool. So now I can spend this. It was like mm. next year I'm going to make $200,000. Oh, great. Now I can spend that. I'm like, one doesn't have to go with the other. Like it's like, it's yeah. the, that doesn't have to carry over. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's just being able. It's like it's like anything. I mean, you just have to be able to. I guess I'm old enough and mature enough that I'm like, okay, I know like how to spend my money wisely. One other thing I remember, I used to always listen to Dave Ramsey too. That so, if people don't know him, is like I would listen to people calling and um, talk about how they were in credit card debt and yell and get excited that they paid off their credit card. I've never had a credit card my whole life. I will not have a credit card my whole life because I don't need one because I've been smart enough about saving my money. I can always use a debit card to pay for everything. Mm -hmm. But hearing those people would call in and like what shitty situations they were in, you know, like where they had a family and they might have been a couple hundred K in debt. And it's just like, man, I'm I'm like, I'm never going to be that. Like where their house was upside down, what, you know, and they're flipping houses or whatever. I'm just like, um, I, I guess I I would hurt I heard that pain too. Like I said, so all of this added on to see my mom like being cheap, even though they make good money. Is just like okay, I'm just that's just the way I am. And so which is fine with me. I can I'm happy with the way I am. I don't, like I said like you said earlier, uh, people get in the mindset they have to spend the money that they have. No, you know it's your choice. So go yeah. ahead and not submit. Like it, you're going to be better off if you don't spend it. You don't need it. Like I, I was just I, I I've never understood that. So again, but everyone has their own choice. At least here in America, you know, to spend it or not spend it if they want. And I can't necessarily say that everywhere, but um, since we have that ability, I think it's wise to use it. I agree. I -hmm. agree. Also, I think that's a solid place to wrap up that. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can really hit the nail on the head better than that. Now, one last question that I've got for you is a question that I ask everybody that comes on the show. And it just kind of gets back to the concept of the show being, you know, what, what are sort of the small little incremental things that people can do to make the biggest difference over time, given time mm-hmm. for given time to compound. 
what purchase have you made? Which, talking to somebody as frugal as you, this might be an absolutely terrible question. But anyway, what purchase have you made in recent memory of $100 or less that's had the biggest impact on your life in recent memory? Mm-hmm. Now, this can apply to your podcasting. This can apply to that aquarium, that $20 aquarium that's sitting behind you that lets yeah. you just kind of zone out and relax. It can apply to anything. Maybe it was that ridiculously amazing bottle of wine that you guys had on your honeymoon, which, oh, by the way, insider knowledge audience, it's like Austin just got married and just mm-hmm. got just got back from a incredibly long honeymoon. Yeah, one month. See, so I was able to do that because I saved my money, which is great because you were talking about small moves all this happened because small moves did not spend mm. on my money right mm. i mean before that each of the last three years i've gone on one month trips to europe and then uh, europe before that as well and then this last time i was in southeast asia wouldn't have been able to do that if i didn't make the small moves to not spend money like i said wait it's your money you get to choose how to spend it no one's forcing you how to spend it yeah. so because i choose I, I probably live honestly like a 30k lifestyle just get, and i'm st- i'm still super happy Versus yeah. I would be, I'd be stressed out if I was, you know, spinning up to the tip every time and not having any money. So um, hundred dollars or less. And actually here's another thing too. Even my brand new quote unquote, brand new Android phone yeah. right here. Uh, I think it's, it's HTC U11. I think normally it's um, 850 bucks. There's a website called Swappa, S-W-A-P-P-A, okay. where I bought where I bought it off there. All they did was use it on the YouTube thing, and it was three months old, and I got it for like 350 bucks. Oh my so god! Those are, so I so if you're looking for a new phone, that's an idea too. I mean, I just I always look for use like, and it's not like it had no scratches at all. I think maybe maybe it doesn't even have anything on the back, and even if it had something on the back. You put a phone cover on it. Yeah, so it's put, everybody puts a case on it today. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, so those are, honestly, so this work wraps up perfectly. These are the small moves I make to give me the ability to do what I want. I don't, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to go do anything. I Luckily, I don't have to have that mortgage payment where I'm like, oh, I'm stressed out, you know, like where I make that next thing. So um, just being smart with your money, that's, that's, that's the wisest thing I can say in the small moves that's helped. Um, it wasn't a hundred bucks, but does that count? I mean, I saved a couple hundred bucks. Well, from knocking, doing it. knocking 450 bucks off the price. Point, <laughs> I, think that, I think that counts. So yeah, yeah. No, that, that counts, but no, it, just to, just to kind of recap that it's, it's interesting. The, the, the move sounds like to you or the process I asked you about a process, whatever, what's your filter or what's your process earlier. And you, you gave, you gave a good statement not an answer you kind of dodge the actual question but mm-hmm. i think we just sort of wrapped up the answer to that question that it sounds like your process is never buy never buy new always buy used mm-hmm. and never buy right when you decide you want something like with like with your boat it's like don't go to a boat show for the first time and say oh my god i love this thing i'm going to buy it now and then you pay f- t- twice what you would for one that's a year old. And in your case, you know, $80,000 less than you probably would have spent had you bought that thing at the boat show. And yeah. And I have no more happiness from buying it. I always think about this. Okay. Would I have been any happier? Would if I got an $80,000 boat, maybe 1% happier when I'm on the water? Like that is it. It's not worth it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. So, you know, buy use Amazon warehouse swap or, you know, and other similar things. If you've got any other resources like that, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I didn't. I've never really even thought about all this stuff. You just kind of brought it out of me. So I just. I guess. Um, yeah. That, that's my rant. You can be rich just doing that. No matter if you still have a nine to five job, you're listening. No matter if you. I think I heard if you make 70k a year, you you can live exactly the same lifestyle as someone who makes a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. just based on being able to travel. So another thing is when I travel too. Okay, what well, I use something called scottscheapsflights.com. I've heard I've heard about this. Yeah. I, I, I I had him on my podcast as well, and so I got round trip tickets. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. I had to get I had to get a flight over to LA, but I got round trip tickets for like 400 bucks to Asia. Oh and most, <laughs> same people, same people pay fifteen hundred bucks. So if you use Google Flights, go ahead and, I didn't even know I was all this frugal. Now that all this knowledge is dropping, <laughs> but I just because I, I just want, want the best deal. I want to see the value, and that's what entrepreneurs do is they find the value in everything. So like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I just want the best deal. I mean, it doesn't have to be the absolute bottom deal, but it's something that I'm comfortable with. But if you look at Google Flights, whenever I go flying, when I've gone to Europe, I've got, I've got round trip flights to europe that was 300 dollars from orlando florida which is a two-hour drive instead of paying like i said 1500 some some people pay that for the exact same trip and i'm like okay well i'll pay 300 so these small moves these small moves allow you the ability to a freedom and to do what you want so that's what i would suggest is just Think think twice when before you're uh, buying something expensive. It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't. I'm not saying get rid of Starbucks or any of that. Like it's just more on those bigger purchases. Just think it's not even thinking outside the box to me. I guess I'm just in brain to it. It's like buy used and buy smart and do your research. It only takes maybe take 15 minutes and you're like okay. And then you figure out the value of it and then you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah like saving saving 100 bucks a month on on Starbucks coffee. He's like, can that make you rich? Maybe. Spending, mm-hmm. you know, spending eighty thousand dollars less on a single purchase, mm-hmm. yes, that will yeah. make you rich. So, yeah. Austin, less poor. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jason. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. I really enjoyed that conversation with Austin. I hope you did as well. He is a really interesting dude. He's got a lot of stuff, really cool stuff going on. Really quick before you go, please go ahead and follow me on Twitter. You can find me at Jason Hertzberger and also go over to the community Facebook page and let me know what you thought about this conversation with Austin. And if you'd like to hear more shows like that, you can find that at smallmoves.co forward slash community, smallmoves.co forward slash community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the show and I'll talk to you next time around. You got this.